Hello and welcome to mini episode 193 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Welcome back to normal scheduling. You will have two mini episodes this week and a main episode as per usual. And the Patreon Tiny Tales will be back on Monday the 7th of November. And I have three spooky stories for you today. The last story came from the 1st of September 2022. And story number one comes from Varsha. This incident happened years ago on a winter morning. I woke up very early at 4.30am and prayed to the gods for a nice day before I got off the bed. I had to study for an important exam later that day. I had so much left and I was anxious. Everyone was sleeping. It was quiet and very cold. I walked out of my room without turning on any lights so as not to wake up my sister. I walked to the hall outside my room and felt for a tube light switch in the darkness sleepily. Now what you have to know is that I study under an open attic space with wooden beams. The tube light was attached to one of these beams and the light always flickers twice or thrice before it completely lights up. I pressed the switch on and looked up at the tube as it flickered once. After the second flicker my eyes caught something on the edge of the attic. Two equally small spheres that reflected a yellow light. Or was it yellow eyes? The light flickered again, but not brightly this time, but the eyes seemed to stare down directly at me into my soul. I felt a chill running down my spine, my heart froze and adrenaline flooded my veins. My sleep had completely left me. Those eyes, what the fuck? I was screaming in my head, I was so paralysed by fear I couldn't open my mouth. The eyes moved slightly and I could feel my hair stand on end. So far, three or four seconds had passed, but a second more, and I don't know what would have happened if that tube light hadn't completely lit up. Still staring down at me were those yellow eyes. The yellow eyes of Tomini, my cat. She stood up and stretched as I watched her incredulously. She jumped down from the attic onto my table and then to the floor like a boss and brushed her body against my legs. I kept a hand on my chest. My heart was still beating very fast. Tomini purred as I scratched behind her ears while I chided her for giving me a heart attack. Her purr calmed me. I probably woke her up and since I am her favourite, she got up to see me and give me the scare of my life. One of the reasons I will never forget her. Unfortunately, Tomini is no more. I love her and miss her even more. Ah, cats are the cause and solution of all of life's big problems especially if they are big paranormal problems, as we well know. That sort of general tomfoolery with cats does make me miss having a cat. However, Varsha, I will say that I am glad it was a cat and not some sort of cryptid. Although, I do like a cryptid too, so maybe I'm a little bit disappointed. And story number two comes from Rihanna. The first one happened around six years ago. I was living in a flat with my sister in Milton Keynes. It was a relatively new building and I didn't get any creepy vibes when I viewed the place, nor when we moved in. However, one night I was asleep and had the worst dream I've ever had. I can remember every detail so clearly. I dream a lot and most of my dreams are weird, but I always know I'm dreaming because places that I dream about don't look the same as they do in real life. For example, if I dream about my house or somewhere I'm familiar with, it always looks completely different in my dream than how it does in real life. 
That's how I know that I'm dreaming and it isn't real. In my dream, I was woken up by a loud crack of thunder and a flash of lightning. I looked out of the window and then my eyes felt drawn towards the end of my bed. There, at the end of my bed, was a man, standing just in front of my chest of drawers. All the crap that I'd left on it visible behind him. He was tall and dressed in all black with a long black coat. He had thick, dark hair and black eyes that bore right into me. His skin was grey, and he was staring right at me, but his mouth was sewn shut. I remember this vividly because the stitches were really jagged and uneven. A flash of lightning and the man was a little closer to my bed, still staring at me. Another flash and he was right next to my bed, almost touching my bedside table. He was looking down at me and I remember being frozen with fear and then I woke up. It was still dark. There was no more lightning and the man had gone. I tried to convince myself I was dreaming but never had I had a dream where my room looked exactly as it was. The fear that went through me was inexplicable and even as I type this I get goosebumps. Round about the same time, I don't think it was the same night, my sister was falling asleep when she felt someone violently shake her headboard. She couldn't see anyone and assumed that it was just a weird body jolt that you get when you're falling asleep. And after that, I never had any weird experiences in my flat. I wanted to finish off my email with a more light-hearted dream that I had last weekend. I'm getting married in eight months and planning a wedding is stressful. I've been let down by a couple of people who I thought were my friends and I've just been feeling a bit rubbish. Sunday night was pretty bad and I ended up staying in and watching films and feeling sorry for myself. I wrote in a few months back about my nan who passed away and with whom I was very close to. I woke up at exactly the time she died and sometimes smell her perfume. That's not happened for a while but that night I went to sleep and I saw her. It wasn't really a dream but I know I wasn't awake. She was standing in bright white light wearing a long beige skirt and a cream top, an outfit she used to wear a lot. She looked at me and smiled and I thought to myself, oh, it's Nanny. I wasn't surprised to see her or anything. I just was really calm and almost relieved. The next morning I woke up feeling a lot better and it was almost like my Nan had popped into my dreams and let me know that everything would be okay. So I went to a storytelling night last night that was done by the wonderful Emily from the Dragonfly Tales podcast, which is well worth checking out, especially if you've got young kids and you want to listen to storytelling folklore podcasts with them. Anyway, as part of the night, some of the audience shared ghost stories and paranormal things that had happened to them. And somebody shared a story about their friend that was living on an island, a really remote island, and they were in this house And there weren't any other houses for miles around. And there was a big storm, lightning, thunder, rain, the whole lot. And there was a power cut. And the girl took out her camera and decided to like take a selfie in the mirror with the flash on during the power cut. And when she did, there was a really tall shadow of a man standing behind her in the picture. And that is what that first dream reminded me of. Whether you can call it a dream or not, I don't know. I don't live in your head. I don't know what your dreams are like, but I know that you said it was different to a normal dream, but that's what it reminded me of. And if I was that girl on the island, I would be swimming to shore. There would be no way I'd be living in that house on my own. And the second dream, 
again, which you said felt like a dream but didn't feel like a dream, sounds really lovely. And it sounds like your nanny is somebody who is going to pop back in to your life every now and then when things are stressful to just give you a bit of peace and calm. And story number three comes from Anna. This happened a couple of years ago when I was a first year university student. The two stories take place in two different cities, but around the same time period. My family was in a different city. I would go back home during the breaks I got from school. The house that my parents lived in was a beautiful 200 year old Victorian house. It had history, but it was well preserved and had sprawling gardens and a beautiful structure. The original house had a living room, a dining room and two bedrooms. The third bedroom and kitchen were added later on. I never really felt weird in the house. Sure, when kids would come over, they'd talk about how it could be haunted. I didn't believe that, because the energy of the house was light and happy. The first incident that happened in this house was when my parents had people over. Everyone was outside in the garden and I was on server duty for the night, hauling snacks and drinks outside. I followed the same route every time I brought something in and out of the house. And by this point of the night, I had taken this route so many times, nothing had happened. But on one of my server runs, while heading out to the garden, I noticed that someone was sitting in the living room clear as day. The noticeable thing about this woman was that she was wearing a hat and was stirring a teacup. Odd. Nobody I saw was wearing a hat. So I stopped and turned around to check the living room, but saw no one there. Nothing else happened that night, and I also did not feel any fear. Since then, I've tried to explain it away. Maybe I was too exhausted and imagined somebody. I knew the house was old, so my brain may have conjured up an image of a lady in the classic clothing of that era. But the image was so clear of her sitting, stirring tea, and making eye contact with me. The next thing that happened was in the same house. It was autumn break, and I was home again. My bedroom was huge with a fireplace and the classic high ceilings. And since the summers can get really hot in the city that we were in, there was a ceiling fan. It was attached to a long pole and hung from the ceiling. One night as I was sleeping, I noticed that the fan was swinging a little bit. I made a mental note of telling my dad about it the next day and fell asleep. The next day I told my dad and he came to see but the fan was not swinging anymore. Weird. I thought I saw it swinging in the morning as well. Keep in mind that it wasn't moving too much, just ever so slightly. Over the next few days, I caught the fan swinging more and more. Now I felt that it would fall on my face considering my bed was directly under it. But every time when my dad came to check on it, it was perfectly still. One night, I woke up in my bed paralysed. While scary, this wasn't new to me. At that point, I'd been having sleep paralysis for years. I started my classic practice of trying to wiggle my toes or fingers to break out of it. And that's when I felt it. The terrifying fear grew, and I looked up to see someone hanging from my ceiling fan. I couldn't catch much of the features in the dark, but it was a man with a rope around his neck, his feet just a few inches off my bed. I knew I had to move. The fan was swinging a lot, and I could see the pattern it was swinging in. 
When I finally broke out of my paralysis, there was clearly no one hanging, but the fan was swinging in the same pattern. I watched the fan slowly come to a stop and somehow willed myself back to sleep. Wild shaken the next day, I chalked it up to the normal sleep paralysis experience. Not that I see men hanging from my fan ever, but explaining it away is what you do. A couple of days later, I was sitting on my bed finishing up some work for my courses. I felt someone pull me off the bed. As I caught my balance, I noticed it was my dad. He asked me to look up and the fan was swinging wildly. He pulled me out from under it in case it fell. The fan did not fall, but it was swinging in the exact same pattern that it was a couple of nights ago when I had sleep paralysis. I never looked up the house to see if any incidents happened in the past that explained what I saw. I did not want to know while my family was still in the house. Maybe I will look it up now and see if I come across something. And I will let you know if I do. This second set of experiences is from my apartment that I was living in during university. I had a flatmate. While the space was small, it was enough for the both of us. It is slightly interesting to note that the single room directly above mine never remained occupied for long. People always came and left. I understood that because I had seen that room and the moment you walked in it felt off. The room despite being on the top floor and getting loads of sunlight felt darker and colder. Just a slight oddity about the building that I was living in. The first thing that me and my flatmate noticed was that the water heater would turn on in the middle of peak summer when no one was using it. It had one of those big flip switches so turning it on by accident just wasn't the answer. It happened so many times that we grew accustomed to it. One night, while I was lying in bed trying to sleep, I turned over to face the mirror. Please note that I was very much awake at this point because I had just put my phone down and was essentially willing myself to feel sleepy. I saw through the mirror outside on the balcony a shadow figure. Something in my head told me it was the same thing I had seen years ago in that apartment that I mentioned in a previous email. I turned around immediately to look into the balcony but saw nothing there. I was scared but managed to fall asleep. I rationalised it, telling myself it was a cloth or my imagination. Just whatever that I could make up to explain it away. However, there was no cloth or sheet on the balcony. I saw this thing three more times all through the same mirror and once during a sleep paralysis episode. My answer to having these experiences was explaining it away or ignoring it. Did it scare me? Yes. Could I do much about it? No. I did, however, start covering the mirror at night for a couple of months. Now that I'm writing this, I am realising that I never saw this thing straight on, mostly through mirrors. I wonder if that is common. Another small incident was that I lost my key. I searched the whole room and checked everywhere but could not find it. A couple of months later it fell from my laptop bag, a thing I use every day and I had checked it three separate times to find this key. People leaving the room upstairs may be a coincidence, the key could be my memory's fault, the shadow person that led me to cover the mirrors and still never sleep in a room that has a mirror in front of my bed may be my imagination. But I sometimes wonder... How many things have to happen before we acknowledge that something might be wrong? 
now to the final story. This one is my boyfriend's story. We live in Canada, and like many other places, the back roads here are dark with no houses and just fields. He worked nights and was often commuting back home at two or three in the morning. He is a rational man who doesn't get scared easy. He liked taking the back roads because it was faster than the highway and with less traffic. He took this route every day for months, so it wasn't new to him. He was at this point familiar with every pothole the road had. This is all to show that it wasn't a new road. He had no reason to be scared. It was an everyday monotonous commute to and back from work. One night he was coming from work and he was in the area of the road where he hadn't crossed any houses for many kilometres and there was no one else on the road. No vehicles, no signs of life. On both sides of the road were fields and nothing else. In the distance, he saw three figures walking on the side of the road. First, he thought it was just some people who maybe were in the fields until late and were walking back home. But as he came closer, he realised it was three little girls between six and eleven. He said something felt off, but he was considering stopping and asking them if they needed any help. It was odd that these young girls were walking alone without an adult at three in the morning. He did mention that they were dressed weird, not old-timey weird, but almost like these white sheets wrapped around them. He slowed down and was just about to reach them when the one closest to the road turned around. He said his stomach dropped and there was one sentence in his head. Go, don't stop. The girl had red eyes, like completely red, not a part of it red. He stepped on the gas and didn't look in the rearview mirror until he was back in the city. In hindsight, he said maybe the headlight reflected and that's why they were red. I did consider the black-eyed children, but I'm not convinced. What he doesn't understand is why they were just on the side of the road at that time of night, with no one around, no houses around, just absolutely nothing. He also thanked whatever voice in his head told him to leave and to not stop. We don't know what would have happened if he had stopped. He will also never forget that unsettling feeling he got right before she turned around. So much going on here in Anna's stories. So let's uh, let's start at the very beginning. Firstly, I kind of would love to live in a really, really old Victorian house. I've been living in new builds for a while kind of want to live in a really old house again because there's a lot of character that comes with living in an old house. I'm going to reference back to the ghost stories thing that I went to, the storytelling by Dragonfly Tales that I went to last night. So your story about seeing the woman stirring her cup of tea and making eye contact with you is really interesting because last night I was talking to a lovely woman who, when she was a child, she walked out of her bedroom, she was only about seven years old, she walked out of her bedroom, all the adults were downstairs watching TV and there was just a woman with a straw hat and like a wicker basket who was taking off her hat and hanging it up on the hook in the hallway and obviously because she was seven she was like oh there's a strange woman in the hallway and they made eye contact and then the woman was gone and this woman that I was speaking to said she really felt like she had walked into some sort of time slip that it didn't feel like a ghost like she wasn't scared but it was almost like she walked into a situation back in time that she shouldn't have been in and then blinked and it was gone and she was back in the present which I thought sounded very similar to what you described 
And as for that swinging fan, that is a health and safety nightmare. Absolutely not. I'd be so paranoid that thing would fall down on my head in the middle of the night. And it might be, like you said, it might be that your sleep paralysis saw that the fan had been swinging and created the man hanging from it. Do you know what I mean? As a as a brain going to the ultimate extremes of fear. But the fact that your dad had to go in and like pull you out from under the fan because it was swinging so wildly. There isn't really a reason for that to happen. Like a draft is obviously going to make things move from side to side. But to swing that wildly, I don't think so. And in the same direction every time, I also don't think so. And if we've learned anything from our stories today, it is that we keep those mirrors covered. And something about that last story with your boyfriend made me think of like, not cult. I don't know how to describe what made me feel. Like maybe culty vibes or like you know families who live off grid for whatever reasons whether it's religious or moral or psychological reasons that's what it made me think of but I don't think I've ever driven past somebody and when their headlights reflected in their eyes their eyes went red I don't think so Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Varsha, Rihanna and Anna for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from the 1st of September 2022. If you want to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode. So it's completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time.